a show where we peel back the layers, take off the masks and get to understand various music industry names. I'm Shah, your host and the co-founder of Mad Millennials. Today I'm speaking to Megs, a true definition of a rising star in the world of R&B, pop and neo-soul. Megs' music is a beacon of self-empowerment and a reminder of the importance of self-worth. A steady stream of beautifully crafted songs, we are now lucky enough to have her latest EP, through the motions, which is made up of tracks, Boys Will Be Boys, Love Me From A Distance, Too Much, and Motions. In 2022, Megs was recognised as one of the top six artists for Amex Unsigned, where the experience was documented in the Amazon Prime documentary, Unsigned, shedding a light on the path of unsigned artists. This took her to her very first major festival this year, 2023, All Points East, performing on the same day as Declan McKenna, bringing her talent to many new listeners. However, I first met Megs in January of 2020. It was my first headline show as an artist. And when I got there, shaking like a leaf, I instantly felt such warmth in the form of a beautiful songwriter and artist in her own right. She was supporting me that night, but I have since supported her. And on many, many occasions, we've both been front row to each other's gigs. The bond we've made has lasted several years now, and I couldn't be prouder to watch her grow. Though my dad is probably up there with one of the number one fans, so I'll have to fight it out with him. Welcome to Unmasked. I know you've been feeling a bit unwell this week, so I just want to say I'm very grateful and excited to be talking to you today. Very grateful to be here. I'm very excited. It's going to make me all emotional with everything that you've just said. I hope I I did it justice and you justice. I think we've both supported each other in more than just performing at gigs. We've been supports to each other through the music industry and just as general friends well that's the thing isn't it obviously I've mentioned that we are both artists and we are friends and that can be a rarity in the music industry especially unfortunately with women not a fault of our own but because of this scarcity fear that there's a mindset that there's only room for a certain amount of people and yeah so these things I do understand that there is you know, a finite, is there a finite space? I don't know. That Say it was a competition, for instance, there is a finite amount of winners, that there is also room for so many people. And I think we get very overwhelmed with the idea that everybody is a competition to us. You get taught that, don't you? Like nobody explicitly says these people are your competition, but that's the way that you're made to feel. You're competing with all these people in the music industry. And I think as well, just hearing stories about labels especially with women signing like five similar artists and then pushing one of them and suppressing the others so that the competition is in their hands it's just we just need to look out for each other it's actually harrowing like that is terrifying it's a sickening thought 
I know. Have you come up against this, do you think? Or what do you think the kind of antidote for this is? Why do you think it's different with us, you and I, or like other artists that you're you're friends with? Like, how have you felt that on a personal level? I think it is just honesty. Because I think as well, because it's so difficult to be a woman in the music industry, you kind of have to put on this front that's like, you have to fake it till you make it. You have to pretend you're more confident than you are, that you're more headstrong than you are, that you've got thicker skin than you really do. But I think it's about learning that you can let that guard down around other women. We know that, you know, you kind of have to have that in the music industry, in an industry that's dominated by men. But with other women, you don't have to be like, pretend that you're all it when you don't know everything. We were both... You know, that was big gigs for both of us when we first met. And I think we were both just very honest about that. Neither one of us was like, oh, well, I've done this loads before. And, oh, you know, I've cl- I'm clearly further ahead than you. Or none of that. We were both just like, oh, my God. This is mental. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point, actually. I think just having that transparency with people that you meet. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be like, I don't know how to be anything else, to be honest. And it can come at a detriment. Like, let's not beat around the bush here. It can come with a lot of oversharing and feeling as though, yeah. you know, you're very exposed and people might take kind of advantage of that or you might get seen as, as weak for that, which is wrong. But it doesn't always mean that it is the sort of safest route of inverted commas. No, that is not, it's not a safe industry in so we connect when we do that and I think that's yeah exactly and I think we're both very similar in that you know we're big advocates for mental health and for just being honest and being yourself and I think we kind of felt that as soon as we met each other and we were like okay this is a safe space this Mm. is fine we can just overshare and just talk and be nervous together whereas sometimes you just have your guard up so much don't you in industry events networking anything like that you have to come across it's that fine line so you have to come across that you believe in yourself and you're confident you know that you're worth it but also that you're not arrogant but also on the inside you're like am I worth it oh my god it's like that um I'm actually gonna have to look it up it means to be a woman that makes me think of you know um Cynthia Nixon in Sex and the City she Mm did a video that went round and did the rounds a few years ago be a lady they said I mean it's so powerful I think she was reading out somebody else's poem so I'll have to find out exactly who that is be confident but don't be arrogant show a bit of skin oh but don't do too much otherwise they'll think that you are slutty exactly you can't win and I think there was a similar speech like in the Barbie movie I mean I feel like you can have spoilers now for the Barbie movie can't you it's been out for ages but there's like a similar speech in that where it's you can't win you're either showing Going too much or not enough or and that doesn't just go for like your physical image but in terms of like your life your emotions your you're either showing too much or not enough and there's just no there's no winning ridiculed for it you know obviously on the flip side how different things are still are for men I talk about this a lot but the Taylor Swift documentary I'm absolutely mm. obsessed with watched it so many times and she talks about you know reinvention that there's this constant demand to shapeshift as women um that men aren't pressurized to do but again again, like we're saying reinvent yourself because you've got to stay current but don't do it too much because it might make people feel uncomfortable yeah because then it too oh they don't feel like they know you but then everyone's like oh a mysterious man we like a man with mystery 
but you have to know this woman inside out but don't know her inside out because then she's showing too much of herself mm. but then you feel like you can't relate to and it's just this whole and again like a similar thing was I think it I can't, I think it must have been a couple of years ago when Beyonce performed with Ed Sheeran on stage mm. and like I think they're both great artists have nothing against either of them and I don't think it was like a personal thing I think it is more wide society but I think Ed Sheeran was just wearing t-shirts and jeans mm. and Beyonce was in like her full outfit but it kind of just is this expectation if Beyonce came on in a hoodie people would be like oh my gosh she's let herself go she's not dressing up for this she hasn't made an effort but then when male artists do it nobody questions it and I think it should be fine either way or yeah and obviously that's part of the charm and and why we love Ed Sheeran but look at say Harry Styles the way that he expresses himself is absolutely amazing and Mm. There was a lot of backlash about that at the beginning. But then we've seen many male artists, Prince and David Bowie, over the years that they're only really afforded that that small space. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so, yeah, so contradictory. I wanted to talk about the very exciting news, a new EP, Through the Motions. And obviously you've released Boys Will Be Boys and I know Motions is a new one, but just kind of drawing back, to boys will be boys I know we've had a a lot of sort of personal conversations between us Mm -hmm. about these experiences and only to what level you might feel comfortable sharing I'd just be interested to hear from you what the sort of backstory to that is yeah I'm I am comfortable sharing because I think it's important and I don't think it's anything that I should be ashamed of to prevent me from sharing it but it was, it must have been around the same time that we met. I think it was literally just before we met, a few yeah. weeks or so before we met. I got invited to like an industry networking event show sort of thing. And there was different artists there that I met. And that was sort of my first, I was 19 or 20. That was my first kind of big event where there's, you know, celebrities, quote unquote, that you meet people that you've looked up to and that you listen to and things. So for me, it was kind of like starstruck moments and being very new in the industry. But there was, in the audience, there was a member, a male member of a band who I liked the band. I think they're still a band now. I don't really know. I don't, I don't follow them now. But we got talking just about music. You know, that was kind of the first time that I put myself out there and was like, right, I'm going to I'm gonna go up to this person. I'm going to tell them I'm a singer. I'm going to show them some of my music, show them my Instagram. And he was like, oh, I really like love the sound of this. This is like right up my street. We should definitely do something. We swapped details. He was saying about how we could write together. We could go in the studio together. He had contacts. And I think at any point in the industry, that is like the bone. Oh, yeah you get thrown a bone like contacts because it it is who you know so for someone who was already in quite established band that I looked up to to be like no I really like it like and kind of open all these doors for me was just like oh my god wow like this is it this is the moment and enjoyed the rest of the night we chatted a bit And then we spoke on social media a little bit, just literally about, oh, where do you record? What studios do you go to? Oh, who are you? You know, and then saying, 
oh, I love this song. I'm going to send that to my manager, to my label. Until it got to the point where it was, but only if you do this for me. Only if you send me explicit photos. Only if... Am I allowed to swear on here? I don't know. (laughs) You were like, yep. (laughs) He said how... He basically turned around and said to me, how do I expect to make it as a woman in the industry if I'm not willing to fuck my way to the top? Oh. And that, I I was just so shocked more than anything. Because you hear stories, you read things, the Me Too movement, all of it. But when somebody has the audacity to just straight up say that to you, and... Um, you know, I as much as I wanted the contacts, I didn't want them that much. And I know that women get put in those positions and worse positions and they end up doing those things because I know how hard the industry is. And I I hold no judgment to any of those women. No. Because it's men I, that should be putting us in these positions. Yeah, I do I remember you telling me this actually, you know, that it must have just been very, very soon before we did that mm. gig because I don't mean it in that sense but in your career like in our careers when we're starting and you know we're hanging on to every word that anybody might say looking for validation feedback all of those things and then to kind of be lured under false pretenses and like you said hear those those certain trigger statements that we then associate with right it's happening now this is it this is the thing that I'm going to talk about in 10 years time and say that was the moment when things really started. And yeah. in a way it was, but in a very different way to how I expected. Yeah, very sinister. There's a catch with yeah. what is being offered to you. How long did that take you to process? I imagine it's still an ongoing yeah. process, but do you think before you could, did you blame yourself in any way? honestly I think I did a little there was I think a few days afterwards where I was just like Mm. did I give off the wrong impression did I you know was was I too nice the more that I sat and thought about it I was 19 or 20 at the time he was I think 26 or 27 not only that power dynamic but also the dynamic that in terms of being in the industry he was a lot further sort of into the industry, had a lot more leverage than I did, which he knew and took advantage of. Because he also said, you know, if I if I don't do it, he'll tell everybody that he knows, all his contacts, to not work with me. He said that he would tell them that I was some like desperate fan who was just making things up because he didn't like me back. And then I thought, well, what what can I do? It is my word against his. But I think I also, I think I overestimated how much influence or power he had in the industry. He had yeah. he had a say within his little circle, but the industry is still vast. And he, yeah, like you said, I don't think he had that far far reach even if he did you know we we see people at the arguably very top of of the game and 
not at all doing things like this and it all comes back to that obsession for power and control and 100% it goes a lot darker than that obviously but surface wanting to undermine women and just this whole like image of Mm -hmm. that you know he could if I did these things he could give me anything I wished for in the industry which now I know is not true like the the power and the leverage that he had wasn't there and it was also very much like oh well I can I could drop you home after this in my like sports car I'm not I'm not a car person so I couldn't tell you what car it was (laughs) but and you know he's got this fancy flat and things I found out a few months later that all of it was his girlfriend's oh oh honestly it wasn't even his own thing I know I think as well the fact that you know it's not just promising the world and then crashing your dreams which would be really horrible but using you know explicitly sexual language and connotations and 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 hanging that there in front of you is 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 really harassment sexual harassment yeah it really is and just sort of saying well you won't you won't make it without my help yeah oh it's all to get my help you have to help me out or you're you know you're not gonna make it you're boring you're frigid you're Mm. selfish all of these things but just now I can look back on and be like well you're an idiot like none of these things are true and I don't need you but at the time it was kind of like is this the industry that I want to be in is this what I want to do oh that's another question isn't it definitely relate to to that I think back a few years ago and there was a man and um and we were outside talking and we had a dialogue around, you know, him helping me. He's quite influential again, sort of runs his own business and is more sort of industry side rather than a yeah. musician. I remember him just, just grabbing my face and I, I literally, ooh, yeah. yeah, it was really disturbing. It's just that entitlement, isn't it? And then but I went away thinking like, oh gosh, did I give off the wrong signals? No, and, absolutely not. Like maybe if I had a done that like really kissed him or something maybe every like I don't think like that now but those those thoughts thoughts go through your head yeah a hundred percent and that's why I say like I hold no judgment against women who have found themselves in that position and gone for it to get something out of it Mm. because but we shouldn't be treated like business transactions no it's no we are also human beings thank you so much for sharing all of that and it's an amazing piece of work that you have put out and been able to, without sounding too cliche, sort of channel the experiences that you have been through. Yeah, definitely. Was there times then that you thought initially, no, like I, I, I can't actually, at, at this point, carry on? Or did it give you more drive? I think, I think right at the time, because of my own personal past and mental health issues from the past, it was like, whoa, no, this is not the place that I want to be in. This is too much for me. If this is what the industry is like, then I don't want it. And I mean, the industry is still like that, but I'm learning that I'm learning more that the industry is kind of what you make of it and what you take from it rather than here is the hierarchy and this is the system that's there, take it or leave it. It's just, well, what do I want out of this but there have definitely been times you know at that point and since then that I've been like do is this what I want our first song that we're going to play is one of yours and I would like you to introduce it and tell us 
little something about it. So this song is called Checkmate. It's one of my favourites because it was just the most fun to write. This was obviously like about a different situation, but just a way to be empowering and sassy and just fun. Deal with, you know, stuff that kind of started off as anger, but turned into a bit of, oh, why was I, why was I ever upset about that? And just put it into a song. And I think it's one that everyone can relate to. Also, check out the music video because your music videos are something else they are incredible thank you the ham and high wrote in their article about all points east which features names such as stormzy and heim in this article by the way an empowering lyricist megs that's literally word for word i mean we get this question asked a lot about songwriting journeys and the the cathartic experience of them but what do you think is crucial for you to kind of write a powerful song in your eyes and we're talking about the songwriting element now because I know Mm. that's so you've got a beautiful craft in that I mean I say this all the time but it just is honesty and I think it's sometimes hardest to be honest with yourself especially when you're going through something like the best songs that I've written in terms of lyrics have been the ones that have been the hardest to write the hardest for me to admit that I am really hurting about something or I am really angry about something and to actually open those feelings up and process them through lyrics, stuff that, you know, if I was talking to you, talking to a friend and, you know, I might be like, oh, no, it doesn't matter. It didn't affect me. It's none of that. It's sitting down and actually working through it and just being being completely honest with myself. Yeah, I mean, that is the key to to getting out good quality genuine authentic writing when it comes to sort of more of the technical side so we're looking at the actual structure and do you sort of lead generally with melody or lyrics or is it a mixture of both both really I Mm. think when it starts with lyrics it never when it starts with words I'll say it doesn't necessarily start as lyrics yeah it might be journaling it might be poetry it might be spoken word it's just literally me getting my feelings out onto a page onto the notes app on my phone and then sometimes it comes from there sometimes I hear a melody from there or sometimes I think this would be a really nice lyric and they kind of just evolve that way sometimes they just it's a journal entry and that's that it's kind of served its purpose as that and it it doesn't evolve into a song sometimes it evolves into songs that no one ever hears. Yeah, and that's important to say as well. Not everything that we write or we do or we voice know has to become a song or 100%. it has to have its purpose in order to get out there. A lot of it yeah. can be, you know, most of it, in fact, is it just exists. And those things will seep in. Sometimes I find myself humming a melody of something I semi-wrote on my own driving yeah. home like 10 years ago, I don't know, I'm not how we actually am. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, driving home eight, eight years ago, that's weird. That stuff does stick and then it can seep into other things and it's all part of the process, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because I think I don't write, when I write, I don't think, okay, I need to release a new song. So I need to write something really good and write. I write because that's how I process my feelings or what I'm going through. So it, that is its purpose. Once it's out of my brain, it has served its purpose. Sometimes I feel like it could serve the purpose more by helping other people or that yeah. I feel like I want to express it more and that's when it becomes a song. 
but it never sort of starts as oh I need to write a song let's sit down and write a song it just happens I guess yeah the question then becomes is this something that I want to share with people or is this it served its purpose it's it's out of my head yeah on paper or onto our phone there's a lot of these songs on the EP that I've just released I wrote kind of 2019 2020 and for me once I'd written them and you know I'd listen to them when I was feeling that way or still feeling and processing what event it was about that had served its purpose I didn't know if I would ever release them they were just there was you know a couple that I'd hold very closely to my heart and just be like well no this song is just for me this Mm. is just my song but then it gets to a point where you feel like you're kind of ready to ready for other people to hear it and interpret it yeah can you talk us through the song you've chosen for in your feels so the song is called heavy by Kiana Lede and I think it was probably one of the first times that I heard someone who I could relate to, a mixed race, female, R&B, singer-songwriter, just really openly talking about anxiety and just the fact that sometimes it's really hard to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes it's just too, everything is just too much, it's too difficult. Sometimes you don't know why you're feeling heavy, but everything just feels so heavy. And it was just kind of like, okay, like people are doing this. Maybe it's okay for me to release some of the stuff that I've hidden away and to just not hide away. That was a great choice. Obviously, only two months after we met, we were thrusted into lockdown. And we don't need to go too much into that because I think everyone's absolutely talking about it. (laughs) But, you know, this wasn't the only earth shattering experiences that were happening at the time. And again, as much as you want to talk about your own experiences, but in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement and the response that did follow, you started, and I remember this very, very well, the On Your Doorstep account. And side note, I remember you did Music Against Racism live, but on Instagram. But this was a time, not to make light of a very serious conversation, but I do remember this was before, I think we all knew how to Oh, 100%. Everyone was like, what is online gigs? What are virtual gigs? And it was just, and I remember, I remember messaging you and being like, I don't know how to do two accounts at the same time and do it on this and do that. And I think you had to go live from your phone when I was performing and you were like, I'm trying not to make any noise. I don't want it to come up on the thing. And so I was literally like, weird. nobody yeah. move an inch. Literally. And like when other people were performing, because I, you know, we kind of did like a, jo- I, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. We did like a joint yeah. live Instagram. I didn't know how to just no, mute my mute mine so other people were performing and I would be sat there like dead still just listening to them being like not move do not make any noise we have to laugh at at that side of things and the, yes. just the naivety or I wouldn't even call it that because it is still an absolute minefield jokes aside what you did and use your voice as well was mm. amazing to watch but can you talk a little bit about how that was for you and kind of mental health through that I mean, as you say, like, you know, we've all spoken about lockdown and how difficult that was. I was a carer at dementia care home at the time. 
So that was very heavy. That was very, you know, I would come back, especially at the start of COVID, I would come back each day from a 10, 12 hour shift and I would literally be stood at the front door and my mum would be like, strip off, straight in the shower, like you don't know what you've got and it was just constant and then you'd open social media for a bit of escapism and you would just be bombarded with horrific videos pictures or even just horrific stats of what was happening regarding police brutality and it just felt like I think for a while it just felt very hopeless for a while we didn't know what was going on with this pandemic this virus everyone was locked in their houses I was still going to work but everything at work was very hopeless very stressful and then to come back and just have no sort of escape or break from it was just it was just a lot and then on top of that I think there's coming from a small village in the middle of nowhere as a mixed race woman I there are not many of us around here so with the people that I grew up with and all of them from good intentions and wanting to know and learn more would flock to me as kind of their token educated friend and sort of put it on me to educate them and that was a really really difficult dynamic to work through because for things to improve people need to be educated we need to learn we need to speak about these things but suddenly it all fell on my shoulders or what it felt like and I'm sure that so many people can relate it just suddenly felt like it was on your shoulders your job to do that so I thought I would start the on your doorstep movement account to sort of show people as well that even in these rural areas middle of nowhere no we're not in a big city in a state in America but racism is still very apparent literally on your doorstep and just the fact that we were all stuck inside and felt like we couldn't really do anything from our doorsteps from our homes I wanted to show people that there's so much you can do from home just to educate yourself or just just to listen as well I think it was giving a space for people to talk definitely hit the nail on the head there with feeling very very helpless and not knowing how to Mm. make any kind of change but then also the fact that you were feeling that sense of responsibility which absolutely shouldn't have been yours to to carry but then turning that into something that is tangible and can then show people that yeah if you make I think often we think oh no but that's that's an America problem or Oh, no, but that's happening over there with with anything. Or, you know, I don't yeah. live in a big city or nothing yeah. like that's happened here, but there's still the really covert, mm. institutionalised microaggressions. Yeah, that, that we do can exist. all do significantly better on. The way to do that is by small, I say, changes around our orbit, and that's how bigger change happens. Exactly. And putting pressure on... Yeah the institutions and the narratives, the powers that be. And just giving people like the platform to speak and to just listen. 
to you know do the work to educate yours I always find it really interesting that there's there's times when people have said like ask me questions about pretty much anybody who's black so a black rapper or a black author and they'll ask me something and I'll be like well I I don't know and they're like what do you mean you don't know like that's a bit embarrassing that you don't know that and it's like we had the same education we had the same there's the only reason that I know some of these things is because I've taken it on myself to educate myself because it's my heritage it's my history but I that's something you can also do it shouldn't have to just fall on on one person or the person that it affects to do the teaching that kind of expectation of you know, I think there was a lot of people running around in panic and just trying to, well, I need to learn as much as possible, but it, it felt very fleeting and surface level and brought up a lot yeah. sort of media-y. But then on the, yeah. the other side, and obviously I am sat here as a white privileged woman and very much acknowledge that, but I think there was a lot of lip service and things covered. But the flip side is what I'm trying to say, that the spark of conversation was a long time coming and you know I can't speak for a lot of people and say it's made change because (laughs) it's a long process um it was definitely a long way to go but it definitely opened up conversations that had been needing to be had and I think and I'm sure that everyone thinks this especially when they're growing up but I do think our generation and the generations that are coming after it are the ones that are going to be having those open conversations and just and I think it's also just acknowledging your current place in society and your privilege we all have privilege I have privilege you know there's nobody that doesn't have some kind of privilege and I think people are so scared to acknowledge and admit that and say yes I have privilege this is how I privilege from your downfall when and I think it's just being able to take take accountability without feeling like you have to take responsibility being able to say yes I benefit from that but it's not my fault but here's yeah and it doesn't negate from experiences per se people can go through absolutely horrendous things and you know still have a level of privilege but that was a horrific time to to live through globally Mm. the fact that that yeah undoubtedly had an effect understandably on your mental health and many other people's mental health it was it was hard for it not to you are also very open about mental health which I think is why we have really interesting conversations and we both care about talking Mm. about that and how do you find that integration more about putting it into your songs as opposed to the pressure of the music industry in this getting it into your songs and why that's so important I think, like I said earlier with about how my writing is just my form of therapy, it's how I get things out. I never really feel like I'm trying to put mental health or like themes into my music. That just is me. I struggle with mental illness. I have struggled with mental illness for a long period of my life. So anything that I write about, my experiences, my feelings, the way that I process things is going to have some element to do with mental illness and mental health because that's that's my experience. It's not like it's that's, a you know, thing all the time, though. How... It would be inauthentic to write something that was 
not about you and therefore we are interconnected in that yeah and I think there's still even though it's definitely getting a lot better I think there's still I don't know whether it's a stigma or confusion between mental health and mental illness where you know it's very it's very okay now in society to talk about mental health to talk about yoga like mindfulness deep breathing but what we don't talk about is the depressive episodes the not being able to get out of bed the not being able to answer the phone go into work those periods of time and those kind of intense experiences rather than just you know I think we've we're at the tip of the iceberg and it's good that we've got there, but there's just a lot, there's a lot more to uncover. You're absolutely right. Talk We're about. at like an all-time high of mental health. I wouldn't say awareness, but this wouldn't even, well, yeah, probably discussions uh, than it's ever been before. You know, we're at all-time high of discussions. Yeah. You know, we're hearing a lot of words become much more normalised, potentially overused in some situations. Um, but there is, I'd say significantly less stigma than there was 10 years ago about low mood and you know feeling stress anxiety and and that's great that is all great and yeah it's definitely a good start the the other side of that is the therefore lack of wanting to understand the nitty-gritty the symptoms and how that's actually presenting and how actually it's not very quirky and it's not very nice and it's not very yoga-y and bath bomby is dark it can be very frightening it can be absolutely life-threatening as we know and it's not about ramming it down you know people's throats and and stopping the conversations about well-being because both are important but I think the appetite and the tolerance for those conversations need to get better because those are the people that's we're quite good about talking about mental health when it's healthy keep well how to keep it healthy but we don't talk about the fact that mental illness it's an illness it's not something that's going to go away with mindfulness mindfulness is great I have nothing against mindfulness and it helps with some of the symptoms I have some of the experiences I have but it doesn't take it all the way it doesn't I would like you to play your other song that you've chosen and a little bit about that and why you'd like to play it yes so my other song is called emotions it's on my most recent ep this is one that i have held close to my heart for a few years now i wrote it in 2019 i actually wrote it when i was hospitalized for my mental health and i think that is also something that people shy away from talking about that you know if you had some other chronic illness a long-term illness and you needed care for it you would go to the doctors you would go to the hospital and that would be accepted but there's still so much stigma around being hospitalized for your mental health but for me it was the hardest thing but also the best thing that I've ever done and I could feel such a turning point I actually wrote too much from the EP I wrote that at the start of my admission and Motions was one of the very last songs that I wrote and I can just really feel the difference and it's I think it's not about mental health Motions is not about mental health 
emotions is about mental illness. It's about knowing that these things are going to be hard. It's not going to all be smooth sailing. You are going to have to ride out the waves and that it's just sometimes it is just riding out those thoughts, those impulses, those whatever they might be. And just knowing, I always find that knowing, knowing that it will pass, knowing that you'll be okay is sometimes enough. Even if it doesn't feel okay right now, just knowing that it will be can be enough. And that's what motions is all about. That is one of the most powerful things that anybody can say. And I don't think it is at all airy-fairy, this too shall pass. Like It's the only thing that when you're in that moment... When you're really in it, in those processes of grief, of trauma of shock of depression everyone says you know you're going through the stages of grief you're going through these processes and just knowing that okay this like everyone's kind of gone through these stages gone through the motions to get out the other side it might go up and down you might go back into one stage then into another and it's not a linear process you know we both both of us have experienced grief this year and I'd say it's a bit of a new one for me thank god you know I've got to my age and and not and not felt this and it is crushing and soul destroying and you constantly are wondering whether you'll why do I feel this way still or other people go through worse and you again all these questions come up and it is and some days you you're you're okay and then other days it does hit you and I think that's a really beautiful sentiment to write through the motions because that's what life is. It It is just going through those motions, going through all the emotions that come with it. And just like that song didn't start as a song. That song, the lyrics were little personal mantras that I would say to myself throughout my time in hospital. There were things that I wrote down, little affirmations, little mantras that I would say that actually got me out of such a dark place. And so it just I felt like it just had to become a song. And that was that was for me. That was just for me to get me through. So that even when I was out of hospital and I was kind of back to day-to-day life and going through it, more things were happening, I could turn to that song and kind of just it was a reminder to myself of what to what to think and just to remember. And then yeah, I got to the point now where I feel like I'm ready for other people to hear it as well. Okay, so we have to now talk about All Points East. I, you know, the emotional roller coaster of that week as a friend of yours and knowing the the journey that that week had developed and you know, that's your your story to tell if if you wish, but did not start off a good a good week, let's be honest. I and mean, then you ended up having this incredible news. Got a massive knock and then you got a massive high. And I think yeah. that that needs to be spoken about. And I think that that is something that I really wanted to explore with this EP was Mm. the fact that, especially this year, I've had some of the best moments of my life and my career while also going through the hardest times in my life, in my personal life. And just knowing that those... She's going to creep up the stairs. We've bought a car. You've bought a car. We've bought your car. Okay, well, I need to transfer you the money, but... (laughs) (laughs) My car car died on me. Mine's in the graveyard. (laughs) Yeah, so is mine now. And when 
Aww. When you work like 40 yeah. minutes away and you do community work and you have to get... <sighs> no more buses. No more buses. Oh God, I, I've lost my I've lost my train of thought now. I can't even remember what I was saying. Yeah, that's what I wanted to really explore with this EP is that especially this year, I've had some of the best news, best moments of my life while simultaneously going through some of the worst things that I've ever been through and kind of just learning to accept that that is okay. It's the duality of life. A hundred percent. And just trying not, to suppress anything trying to just accept that those all those feelings have a place and they can be there at the same time they can coexist Mm. I was rehearsing for all points east at the same time that I was rehearsing for one of my best friend's funerals and that was just something that at the time I could not comprehend no how can you that is it's absolutely unfathomable I'm just yeah I'm so sorry that you've been going through that and having to put on a brave, I mean, this is called unmasked, isn't it? Almost having to wear a mask and just get on with life when that is not what's going on in your other orbit. Exactly. And that's why I think it's so important to actually just talk about because, yes, All Points East was amazing and I am so grateful for the opportunity and I had the best day, but that doesn't mean that my year's been perfect. And that, you know, everything, you know, what you see on social media, it's not everything's, everything's going swimmingly for me and, you know, all of that. So I think it's really important to just be upfront about those things. We even say that to each other. You know, I had my gig in New York in January and I remember you being like, oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. Like I knew it obviously was great, but, 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 but. And then I'm like, oh my God, you've got all points east. I mean, well, to me, that is, it is amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And I'm not going to deny that. And that's the other thing, kind of going off on a bit of a tangent, but the other yeah. thing that I really love about our friendship is that we can be proud of each other. And <sighs> jealous is the wrong word because we're happy for each other, but we can still want it too. We can still want it too. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I just wish I was also there too. Yes, 100%. And just knowing that those feelings are okay, that I know there's no malicious or harmful intent behind those feelings. It's never, I wish that was me instead of you. It's always, I wish that was us. Yeah. Yeah. That is something I love about our friendship. Yeah, just following other artists and just like seeing them go from playing smaller venues and stuff to doing massive festivals was just like... Yeah, because we can be fans too. Like, we don't have to just... 100%. And sometimes I forget that. And that's when the jealousy can come in, because you don't know them. So you do have these certain personas in your head, and there's certain people that Yeah, just... you don't know all the other... Yeah. All the other things that are going on behind the scenes. No, definitely not. Like, I remember last year when I found out about the Amex gig and doing that showcase, I think we had about 10 days' notice... And those 10 I was scrambling, like, I was like, this is the be-all and end-all, and, like, none of my usual backing bound were free. I had to find new people. We had to throw rehearsals together. And I was so stressed. Like, you could not even just talk to me. I was just like, nope, I'm overwhelmed, over capacity. This is, do not, do not talk to me. And I was just so stressed. And I think my, like, close friends and family were a bit, like, we didn't know what to do with you. We just had to sort of sit back and just let that happen. Yeah. 
I mean, perfection is, we're chasing it forever, chasing our tails forever, if that's what we're going for. Um, I am obsessed with this song that you have chosen as your nostalgic throwback. It's just, it's just everything. Go on, do the honours. <laughs> I love it. And I know that it's like a bit of a meme now, but I, whenever I put it on and you just hear like those first, those first few guitar notes and it's just like warm summer, it is unwritten. Natasha Beddingfield. Thank you so much. Like, honestly, it's been just such a joy to speak to you in this format. Thank you for having me. I've been very excited to do this. I've I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. <laughs> I've, just, I've, been, I've been waiting to be asked. Yeah, I adore you. I think you're incredibly talented, beautiful, kind soul. And all the same to you. And thank you for everything that you do, not just in the music industry, but with Mad Millennials. And just for persevering with it and still, especially you've also had a year. So the fact that you're still doing this and still making other people feel good and still talking about things that are important is very admirable. Well, that's going to be a soundbite. <laughs> Love you. Love you. <laughs>